You're listening to Real Folk with me, Joe Burke. Hello and welcome everyone to, uh, we're not at Custard HQ today, this is by the magic of Zoom and my guest today is the brilliant and talented therapist and author, Ali Knowles. You know, you say the nicest things, Joe. How many Ollie books have you written now? Uh, we've, oh, hello. Um, I've got to think about that one. That's a worry, isn't it? I think there's six, six, six and a half. And, and we'll go on to have a chat about those, but you're, what, what's your background? Obviously, you're, um, I know that you're a therapist. Did you want to be a therapist when you left school? Was that what you wanted to do? No, not at all. I, I left school really early because I can't read and write, so school was fun, shall we say. Because of dyslexia? Yeah, yeah, but it wasn't, wasn't diagnosed. I mean, everybody kept calling me stupid, and I absolutely believed them for many, many years. Well, that's really interesting because my brother, who is, he's 60 next year, um, and he had exactly the same thing. And he was, unfortunately, back in those days, he was put into remedial classes. And so he got very, very bored. And he basically left school at 15 of his own accord. So um, it's, it's such a shame that that went undiagnosed for so many years for so many people. You know, it isn't, it isn't. It's funny how things turn out, isn't it? Because for many years before Ollie and therapy, yeah, it was a huge chip on my shoulder. But now I actually realise it was the best thing that could have happened to me. Ollie wouldn't exist if I could read and write yeah and so how did you overcome that what employment did you get straight from school if you left early and how did your sort of life pan out the only employment I could get was um, sales jobs so I used to do a lot of commission only work because I didn't have an education so nobody took me seriously but I ended up working for construction companies in sales and marketing did quite well for myself so I spent a good 10-15 years blowing buildings up That sounds like fun. It was, especially if I got it right. <laughs> Obviously, my dyslexia was a problem. They'd send you out in the morning and say, one, three, one. Which what what? what? <laughs> it's, it's gone. We've done the wrong building. I actually never okay. happened, but yeah. <laughs> Gosh, can you imagine? That's yeah. quite the responsibility, isn't it? Yeah, fortunately, it wasn't my responsibility. They kind of worked out. I'm probably not trusted but very much, so that was all right. <laughs> <laughs> and so what was after that then? Uh, I I did that for years and years because I thought I can't do anything else and it gave me the nice car, the salary, the smart suits, I could hold my head up with my peers, something I'd never been able to do because of my reading and writing. And then I got made redundant, not once, but three times. Talk about the universe saying, Ali, you need to change direction. At that point, my partner said, well, look, you've got this time, you can go back into a job you didn't really enjoy, or you can try and do something you do. And I thought, well, I want to be a psychologist, but they won't have me because I can't read them right. So I just did some courses just to get rid of the time, really. So I did hypnotherapy, a couple of others. And I thought, wow, you know, all that stage stuff's probably rubbish and hmm but this is actually really powerful and I'm good at it. And it, it kind of took off from there, really. So, so hypnotherapy was your first yeah. um, qualification then? Yeah, absolutely. And it, it, it was uh, a company called the Quest Institute. Anyone thinking about doing therapy, hypnotherapy, um, to help people with emotional issues, seriously have a look at them. Brilliant, brilliant guy, Trevor Sylvester. I sort of got through that. Um, my friends had to get me through the written side because I really couldn't do it. And at that point, I decided, that's it. I'm going to be a therapist. I'm going to heal the world. So I said to my partner, I want an office in Harley Street and a BMW with, you know, Therapy One written on it. My my (laughs) partner, knowing me as well as she does, and I don't stick at things, said, you can have a hut in the garden and a moped. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, there's always a compromise. (laughs) Well, I've still got the hut in the garden, but the moped uh, came to a bitter end. (laughs) 
Oh, that's hilarious. But that's, I love that story though, because um, part of the reason I'm, I'm doing these podcasts is that so often people think that they have to start everything uh, perfectly and that, you, you know, if you don't get exactly what you want straight away, you're a failure. But, you know, that is hilarious. I love the, <laughs> I love the fact that it was a hut and a moped. Yeah, still got me hut. <laughs> exactly, it works. Everyone's got a hut now. That's the thing, isn't well, it? They're, they're very on board. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, it, it is fascinating. And I think from that point on, I began to recognise that when your path gets blocked, rather than taking it as an absolute negative of, you know, the universe is against you, it's not blocked you. It's just trying to gently nudge you in the right direction for you. And if somebody had told me I'd be doing this now, 10, 15 years ago, absolutely no way. But I'm living the dream. I'm doing my dream job. Yeah. And I think that's such an important lesson. And it's the, the quicker you can learn that, the better you are mentally, I think, as well, isn't it? Because, yeah. you know, it is that old adage that used to be put, well, you know, one door closes, another one opens. That's another way of looking at it. Um, but it really is. And I think if you listen to that and let let the world sort of guide you, because otherwise you just end up so frustrated banging at doors that are not going to open when, you know, if you just look to your left or right or up or down, there's one that's swung wide open waiting for you to walk. And through. the interesting thing is that the majority of people that are waiting for that door to open it's it's probably a door that they think they should walk through because 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 and that's all about you know where they grew up their reality tunnel what's expected of them and very very rarely is it i actually want to do this and it's lovely when it is but i think when the door doesn't open it's because you maybe need to address why you want it to in the first place it's 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 such a sad state i mean i work with uh, young and old as a therapist but you know i listen to the youngsters the teens and and they're, well, I must do this and I must do that because that's what you do to fit in and belong. So I become something that I can, that, you know, I can be put in a box and managed. And I hate that. You know, I, I, mm. I, I'm a bit of a rebel. I'm like, no, ask questions, kick against it. Yeah. So you're out there on your own yeah. and you don't fit in. Don't, don't be afraid of that. Celebrate it. I agree. And I think that's one of the things that I've uh, enjoyed about lockdown on a, purely physical level the the fact that nobody could get to hairdressers or anything for like three months or four months I love that all of a sudden people actually looked individual they had long hair or gray hair or curly hair and it's like oh wow I, I think it was a really interesting time because all of a sudden you couldn't hide behind the mask of my perfect makeup or hair exactly and, and we got to yeah. see people and and the beautiful thing is it took them a while but people began to go do you know what this is me and it's okay yeah, and I like First it. and last time in their life they'll ever do that. What a shame. It's been one of those experiences where hopefully enough people will have had enough time to realise that actually these things don't matter and reassess what does. You, you've got to kind of hope that, haven't you? I mean, you know, nobody's got a good word to say about what's going on in our country at the moment and COVID generally. But, mm. you know, it, it depends. You'll see what you want to see. So, I mean, take us with Ollie. When COVID hit, it was like, that's it, our company's going down because we're not, you know, we're not valid or whatever the latest political words are for companies that don't make the government money. And we're very face to face. So we couldn't work in schools, couldn't work with clients. And I thought it's going to go down. But a weird thing happened just before COVID kicked off. I went on a bit of a spending spree, much to the annoyance of my partner. And I brought a load of film equipment. <laughs> so it was like, well, we've got two choices. Ollie goes down and we put the whole damn thing online, but we can't get to a studio because of da, 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 da. And I've got all this film equipment. So we put Ollie online and 
it's probably the best thing we've ever done but without covid i'd never have done it and yet it has given us so many more opportunities so you know the, the covid was a hell of a storm and it knocked us off course but if it hadn't have done i wouldn't have found this really cool island that we're on now the reason i'm doing the podcast is exactly the same reason and i wouldn't be doing these if it wasn't for the fact that i can't go out and meet people and do acting and performing and comedy and all the things that i love doing and, and are trained to do but I don't want to say goodbye to all of those things either because I think as I'm sure you will with what you do with Ollie and we'll discuss exactly what that is um, in a sec. Um, you know, we, you need face-to-face, -face, you need interaction. That's the whole point. We need it for our own mental welfare. But that's quite a massive subject, isn't it? I mean, yeah, everybody in the entertainments and business at the moment, I don't think people realise what a huge, huge thing's happening there because people aren't working. And not just the big names, but the, you know, the guys that sweep the floors, hold the cameras. Nobody's got any, yeah, nobody's got any work, all the technicians. And, and the truth is that we're very social creatures and we love art and we love theatre and we love music. And if we can't have that, then we become robots. Mm, and, exactly. and, you know, we go on about what should be supported and funded at the moment. Well, we need that freedom we need that space to escape that place to use our imagination that's got to be more healthy for us than any blimmin pills for depression so i i reckon joe get money behind you guys and get it all open up again asap yeah yeah well thank you for that and i you know everyone is doing the best they can i mean almost all of the people that i know that are comedians or performers are doing something like yourselves you know you were just forced to think outside of the box and outside of what you would normally be doing to try and continue to create as you've just said you know stories are hugely important and communication is key and i've always said you know there's a there's a reason that solitary confinement is a punishment you know <laughs> we're not supposed to be on our own we're not and stories are you know stories go back centuries before you could even speak there were stories on cave walls to take away the ability for the human race in in 2020 to not tell their stories and and to not communicate is just pretty awful really. i think it's quite sinister personally but that's a whole other story yeah. but yeah we need it we need yeah. that escapism right now because we haven't got much else to look forward to and you know we're all turning to netflix and other tvs obviously exist just to escape, lose ourselves in a good film. But there is nothing better than laughing with a group of people, listening to music with a group of people, feeling that vibe, feeling that oneness, and that we are part of something bigger than this mess. It's, it's got to yeah. be opened up again and funded. Hopefully that will happen. But who knows? <laughs> who knows? So we talked briefly there about Ollie. Now, listeners, you may wonder, who is this Ollie we speak of? Uh, Ali, do you want to sort of give our listeners a, a little lowdown on, on what you did with Ollie? Well, as I said, I trained to be a therapist, so I did hypnotherapy and I, I trained in other therapies um, with a lot of help on the written work side from friends and family. So I did CBT, Cognitive Behavioural Therapy, which is the one that, you know, CAMH, Children and Young People's Mental Health, NHS, force push you towards, force, Ali, bad Ali, uh, send you to. <laughs> it was a slip of the tongue, or was it? Um, and, and so I'm doing all that, right, in my, uh, my, my hut with my moped. But it dawned on me that every therapy that I trained in required that I put people in boxes. And that I gave them a label. 
because if I didn't have a box and a label, how would I know what page to turn to in my big book of scripts to heal you if I didn't know? So, so for example, if you came along with anxiety, I'd know to go to page 35 because that's about anxiety. Rubbish. The only time blimmin' page 35 is ever going to be right is a Chinese menu. And I thought, <laughs> this ain't right. People, people aren't boxes. They're not robots. They're individuals and they're unique. And... You know, everyone around me, oh, you can't do that, Ali. We need something that puts everyone in boxes so we can manage it, control it. And mm. I thought, that's rubbish. So what happened was I wasn't working with kids. And then one lady I had been working with brought a young boy along. <laughs> she literally walked into my room and she said, sort him out. He's angry like his dad. So mum, mum just dropped him off and, and legged it, telling me he's angry like his dad. So I'm stood there with this young lad. And I don't work with children. I didn't have, well, I don't have children. I've got thousands now by default. Um, and I thought, I've got an hour to kill, what do I do? So, sort of nice it is, hello, I'm Ali, who are you? He's like, I'm Peter. Hello, Peter. Why do you think your mum brought you here? Because I'm angry. How do you know you're angry? <laughs> everyone tells me I am. Oh. Uh, who's everyone? Mum, dad, mum's friends. Right. Can you tell me anything else about yourself? I mean, he had football kit on. I thought, you know, we could get into a bit of a banter. He went, no, nah, I'm just angry. And try as I might, I couldn't get anything out of him apart from I'm angry. <laughs> Oh, bugger, this is, wow. this is going to be a long hour. And I don't know what came over me, but I thought, <laughs> well, we're stuck here. I started tapping my foot and I said, do you know, I know when I'm getting angry because my foot taps, that means I'm a little bit angry. But if I get proper angry, I reckon that that part of me, my angry part, shoots up my leg into my eyebrow because my eyebrow goes up. If that happens, get out of the way, mate. This kid's, this kid's <laughs> looking at me like I'm a nut job. You can see it. I said, what about you? How do you know when you're getting angry? And he went, I don't know, I just am. But you must know, don't I? And I pushed his buttons a bit. And in the end, he clenched his fist and went, I don't know. Oh. And I just reached across, made like I was pulling something out of his fist, turned my back on him with my hand cupped and started talking to this thing in my hand that I called angry. And I literally said, oh, hello, Peter's angry. I went, oh, Peter, he is angry, isn't he? Is he always is angry? Is it just... And I just kept talking to my hand. And this kid, you could see this kid. If he could have gone home then, he would have promised to be good forever. Just get away from me. I'm a nut job. <laughs> so I started asking this thing in my hand why Peter was angry. So I separated it from Peter. And yeah, yeah. I really helped out the fact he was wearing football kits. So I said, are you making Peter angry because his mum makes you wear pink lycra? Peter, Peter out the side. <laughs> no, it's not that. No, okay. Are you making Peter angry because he has to go to ballet lessons? No. I think I asked three or four really stupid blimmin' questions before Peter just yelled at me, he's angry because he doesn't want to be the big boy. Like, blimey. Oh, what a breakthrough. In 20 minutes instead of six months, yeah. which is standard therapy. So I kept me head. I was real proud of myself. I kept me head because that was a breakthrough. So rather than turning to Peter, I kept talking to this thing in my hand. And I went, you don't want to be the big boy, little angry. What does that mean? And Peter explained that basically he's got a little brother with some additional needs. And every time someone comes to the house, all the focus is on little brother. Mum's um, right. stressed out of a tree, which explained her behaviour. Yeah. And once too often, Peter just gone, mum, mum. And mum had said, Pete, I need you to be the big boy. Please, I'm busy. Now, we'll all say, well, that makes sense. Mum was busy and stressed. and But what Peter heard was, I'm not loved, I'm not special, I'm not important. 
What a what a genius way of dealing with was, that just off the cuff. Yeah, well, everything I do is off the cuff. It's just a standard joke that if I hadn't been a therapist, I should have joined your ranks and been a stand-up comedian. <laughs> everything I do is off the cuff. But I could have left it there, and that was a hell of a breakthrough. But what I did, and this was in one session, one hour, not months and months and months and months, I just turned to Peter and I said, how can we help your angry feel better? And he came up with his own solution, which involved me talking to mum because he didn't know how to, which I did. And she was mortified, as you can imagine. Well, because nobody's doing anything on purpose. We're all just trying to do our best. Absolutely. And all behaviour serves a purpose, you know. But a few weeks later, I was in a local school and Peter was there and he was sort of across the room from me. And I just went, you all right? Yeah, how's it going? And he went, yeah, yeah, no, that's all good. But he looked a bit down. So I said, Pete, you sure you're all right? And he went, well, grandma's died. I was like, oh, no, here we go. I said, do we need to talk, mate? And he literally reached inside his chest, pulled whatever was in his chest out. And he went, no, no, no. I've had a chat with how I'm feeling. And he understands she's gone to heaven because she was poorly. And that's okay. See you later. And I thought, oh my we, didn't, we, we didn't deal with grief and pain. We dealt with anger. And yet he'd taken that one session with me already and gone and that's what's yeah. happened so from then in a nutshell ollie grew overnight i had people coming in from all over the country to me in cambridge so i thought we need a few more therapists because this works and it's really powerful and not just with kids it works with adults so we started training other therapists that didn't work some of them were brilliant some of them shouldn't be therapists they're in it for the wrong reason they want to heal and fix so then i had a mad idea that i wanted to train mums and dads and comedians and lawyers and police officers and and everyone said, you can't, they need to be therapists. And I thought, well, f you know, about a year ago, I was blowing buildings up. If I can do it, there it began, the Ollie School. So everyone we train are just you and me. And we work with families around the country. We're now in schools, foster adoption. It's gone blimmin' mad, to be honest. And it's wonderful. <laughs> You're listening to Real Folk with me, Joe Burke. This would ordinarily be an advertising break. But as I don't yet have an advertiser, why not check out standingoncustard.com where you can buy all four of my children's books plus my adult comedy book about online dating, all delivered free and signed by me. Standingoncustard.com. Back to the show. It's amazing. It is absolutely amazing. And, um, you know, I've worked with some of your trainees uh, before. Worked miracles with them. It, <laughs> oh, thank you. But um, it is an amazing thing because, again, it's it speaks to what I'm trying to do with these podcasts in the fact that they're ordinary folk like me, you, that have signed up to this amazing concept that just, like you said, it works. It's simple. Anyone, anyone from any walk of life that wants to help can take a look at this yeah. structure and yeah please find us yeah yeah I, I i have a theory i think sometimes things are purposely made overly complicated so that people don't even try to be part of it and and it's like a minefield that's purposely placed there to to make sure only a few get through well in certain things i can imagine that's a good idea brain surgery stuff <laughs> like that but you're only a baby joe but when <laughs> when i was a lot younger if I had a bad back pain or toothache, I had to go to the GP and get a prescription for something like Panadol. We weren't trusted to medicate, right. yeah? Now you can go to Boots. I want to do the same damn thing with therapy. Not the big stuff, bipolar, schizophrenia, but the rest of it. And what we're doing now is we're educating parents and children on how to control their emotions 
rather than be controlled by them so that they don't need therapists. I'm trying to make us all unemployed. It's brilliant. Like you said, you know, it would save so much, so much therapy in adulthood and save so many marriages and relationships and working relationships. And, you know, it's just such a good thing all round. And within one generation, the kids that we're working with now, so we do intervention when the kids have got a problem. We do an awful lot of preventive work through the schools. And I have to say, respect schools. They've taken us on. Who am I? What is Ollie? But they've taken us on because it works. But within one generation, these kids are going to be parents themselves. And then they'll take over from us. Yeah. It's doable. But, you know, it's, it's been a really interesting time. We've probably been busier than we've ever been because people are really struggling. The support services aren't there. They really aren't there. And I've been on the receiving end of that with some family members. It's really not there. And yet, you know, we are here. We are helping people by empowering them, not fixing them and making them dependent on a system that, to be honest, is letting everybody down. Yeah. And it's ignored. And yet more than ever right now, people are falling apart. I have a therapy room full of teachers. That'll shock some of your listeners. Yeah, you know, it's I, the number of times I, I hear, you know, oh, bloody teachers have done this. These teachers are the parents. They're, they're like your brother, like your sister, like your mum. And they're in a situation with supposedly safe bubbles, which are not, if you look at what's actually going on. No. <laughs> they're being asked to move mountains. They're being asked to break the class sizes down in a school that doesn't have the room to do that, all yep. the staff to do it. Yep. They're, they're going through damn hell. It's, mm. it's a mess. Yeah. I agree. I agree. And the, the extra stress that um, just managing to be a teacher during lockdown, I mean, basically, my husband's a teacher and he did all of his classes online, um, which we, you know, we weren't set up to do. <laughs> and none of them were, you know, we don't have <laughs> a, a proper space. Well, we do. It was my space. He stole my space, basically, which then had massive <laughs> knock on mental effects for me. <laughs> You, you two still together, right? I mean, yeah, I know yeah. I'm a really good therapist. Just. <laughs> <laughs> we'll hang on in there. But no, it was it was really tough, really, really tough. Yeah, and um, I suppose, I mean, thank goodness that there are people like yourself that are out there, but then not everybody can afford to go and see somebody, you know. So that's very tricky. And that's where, you know, these things should be available in schools and subsidised and, and provided. And, 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 you know, I can understand why it's not, because there are hundreds of people that train to be therapists, and they're one-man bands. They're probably brilliant. I should imagine most of them are. But it's about being able to scale up to provide the service en masse. So I think one of the reasons that the government are, like, not looking at what we're supposedly alternative therapy, now we're complementary, work with you, is can we scale up? Can we deliver? Are we measurable? You know, are we going to have the consistency? And I get that, and I get why that's been a problem. But, you know, we're not the only ones out there that are scaling up, do have all those things in place, can deliver and prove it. And it's, what, what's the problem here? The only problem I can see is that if we continue to do what we're doing, then any previous setups they've had with therapy that was taking forever and ever is going to have a hard time just in its existence and its cost. Mm. And if we get to all the kids and teach them to control their emotions rather than be controlled by them, then they won't need antidepressants. And that might annoy and clean that up a few big drug companies. It's like, come on, in this together, then let's put the support in for goodness sakes. Yeah. No, I mean, I'm always uh, amazed actually how quickly people turn to drugs as an answer for things because therapy, I think is often considered a sort of last resort and, and the first thing anyone gets when they're 
I mean, I've had friends and even myself, I've, I've suffered from depression over the years and I have, I've never taken antidepressants, but I have been offered them every single time. <laughs> and, you know, I have to say there's, there's a time and a place. If somebody's really, really lost, then, that, then they serve the purpose of giving that person the opportunity to just have a level place for a little while to get their act together. But the problem is when, you know, nobody's checking the medication or continually dishing it out. And I'm not medical, so I can't comment on this other than what I see in my therapy room. But, you know, we're complementary therapists. We should be working with the NHS. Some people do need that little bit of help. But therapy, I think people have this view that it somehow makes you weak. If you need help, you're not coping on your own. That's not good enough. So they just want a tablet to take it away, a quick fix. Yeah. But it's such, it's such a strange way that as humans, we deal with that because, you know, if we, if our car breaks down, we take it into a garage, no problem. I think people see it as a weakness, especially blokes. I mean, but you know, big boys don't cry and all that. What a load of, do you know, the one thing we've all got in common, whether you're straight, gay, black, right, or alien, we've all got emotions and they're there for a damn good reason. But it would really help if we stopped calling it mental health and we started calling it what it is, emotional well-being. And it's okay if an emotion, well, it, I, it would knock so many bloody walls down. I, I'm really lucky. I have blokes come to my therapy room, which is huge because blokes really struggle to come forward when they're not coping so well because it's a weakness. And it's the funniest thing because they're big fellas with the tattoos, you know, men's yeah. men. And they're like, well, I can't talk to the girls about this because that'll make me look like a bit of a wuss. <laughs> and I can't talk to the lads because, you know, that'll make me look real wussy if I've got mental health issues. But I can talk to you. And I often wonder, is that a compliment or not? But, but it is because, you know, if you've got stuff going on and you keep it inside, it can do some real damage. But if you go and talk to someone, you're not broken, you're not lesser person, you're human. And all of us, all of us at some point in our life will have something come along that's too damn big. And if you try and fight it on your own with a stiff upper lip and big boys don't cry, it's going to end up messy. But, but it's the whole stigma and we've got to destroy it. And again, I hope that's something we're doing. We're Ollie coaches, not therapists. Call ourselves coaches. We wear T-shirts and we are what you see and what you get on the tin. That's so interesting. And I think, do you know what? I, I hadn't even thought about that because even up until today, I was still calling it mental health. And, I, and you're right. Emotional well-being is definitely what I, from now on, shall be swapping that to because it's so true. It is so true. I still think after blokes have a problem with saying the word emotional, you go into school and talk about emotions and all the boys look down. Yeah. Now, why? Well, it's considered a negative, isn't it? Well, yeah, it's but where have they strange... learned it from? They, the only reason that they look down is because somewhere along the line, that we're all born with no knowledge of this world. So everything we think and believe we've learned somewhere and it's from our family, our environment, and, and that's it. We stay stuck in that belief about the world or reality tunnel. And what we're doing in schools now is saying, you know, I'm not saying that anyone in your world's wrong or that mum and dad are wrong. All I'm saying is it's okay to ask questions, you know? I, it's so heartwarming to hear that you're doing all of that. I think it's in, incredible, absolutely incredible. And if any listeners are interested in taking a look at um, your stuff yourself, what's the website called? Um, you do this to me because of my dyslexia. <laughs> But I, oh, sorry. I can't, get, sorry, I can't get this bit wrong. www. <laughs> <laughs> so is it Ollie and his superpowers? Yeah, it's www.ollieandhissuperpowers.com. And when you go to the website, it looks like it's for kids. We did that on purpose so that we could get to the parents that really need some support and help. They don't need fixing. They're not doing anything wrong. They're doing a brilliant bloody job. 
with the tools they've got. All we want to do yeah. is not preach, not tell them they're doing it wrong, just give them a few more tools to make it easier for them. Yeah, and that is exactly what you do, and you do it brilliantly. Thank you. And, um, yeah, and so you're, you're training up the next batch of coaches yeah. as we speak online. Then, do you know, it's, it's, I, I was really concerned. So we, we put the whole thing online, and all of our Ollie Coach courses are called Ollie School 1 through to whatever number. So Ollie School 6 are the first ones online, and they're halfway through. And I was like, oh, will it work? Will it work? We're not in the classroom. It won't be as good. They're blimmin' leaps and bounds ahead because they can watch and re-watch the videos. And we still do do some classroom time with them. So we've got another one starting this weekend, Olio 7, and then in January, Olio 8. And, do you know, we are looking for more therapists because the more of us out there, the more kids and families we can get to. And people say, oh, you know, do I need a degree? You know, what, what, what's the pass criteria? And basically, if you can tell me why, I'll teach you how. And one more funny story just to confirm what I mean by that. As we've got bigger, we've had to have all grown-up forms and stuff like that done because we've turned into a proper company. Not me. They don't let me do it, Joe, because, as you know, I sh <laughs> should be allowed out unsupervised. But we had a lady doing all of our documentation, and she came around. She said, Ali, I do need your help with this one. This is, you know, um, we need a procedure for how you choose the new Ollie coaches because I interview everybody before they join our school. It's got to get it right. They've got to they've be thinking the same way as us. And she said, a couple of A4 sheets will do. And I said, I'll do it now. And I just scribbled a note and gave it back to her. And she went, because I know. I went, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, I do. Within minutes of speaking to someone. So, so I do interview them all on Zoom or face-to-face -face when we could. And I just know. There's something about yeah. them. They, they, they're thinking the same way we are. It's not about healing, fixing. It's not about being a demigod. It's about giving, supporting and yeah and just wanting the best for someone you know it's an incredibly worthy and brilliant thing to be able to to do and i suspect as well the fact is that moving the course online i think so many people have done online learning over that period as well so i'm not surprised that you were sort of inundated with people and and that it's worked for you because it's a good way to learn isn't it it is and and as i said i was really concerned because i thought well you know if we're not face to face but what we do is we keep the groups really small. So if we were in the classroom, we've had 25 people. But online, if you're looking at a, a screen, I can only see 14 people max and see them well enough to make sure that they're engaging and not being left behind. So we shrunk yeah. the groups right down so that we can still offer that support one-to-one -one so that we get everyone through at the right pace and the right time for them. And, yeah. and it's it's just as brilliant because they can go into the breakout rooms of these various platforms and work together. And then, as I say, in a, a few months time, they get to be in the classroom together for the first time, which will be lovely. But the friendships that they're building from the experience of being on the course, so it's not just about changing a career and being an Ollie coach. It's, you can't do the course without, I hate this word, going through the journey, but it really is. A journey, yeah, yeah. yeah. It really is. And, and, and that, it is so true. One of the best bits for me is watching, so I get them to do this thing. Day one, they write down what they believe about themselves and why they're here, and then they forget about it, and I give it back at the end of the course. I think having seen some of your coaches, just even in the short time I'm with them, the, the difference it makes to people's confidence and to people's lives is huge. You can tell. You can tell that everything they learn to pass on to parents, teachers or children, obviously, like you said, by osmosis, you're learning yourself. And so you become a better version of you and you can see that. It's amazing. But having you in the room with them, 
because again for those that don't know what we're talking about some of our coaches aren't naturally playful and flamboyant they're a little bit reserved i know it's in them but we've got to pull it out so what we do is we put them in the room for the day with joe <laughs> <laughs> she creates monsters <laughs> i do lovely little ones lovely little fairy ones yes <laughs> lovely little playful monsters <laughs> honestly everybody that's been through your the time with you is oh they're just amazingly they've really grown it's brilliant it's an absolute joy i love doing it and i miss doing it i absolutely miss doing it so uh, yeah we'll have to we'll have to work something out or hopefully we'll be able to get back into doing those sorts of things very shortly yeah. but we, we've got them coming in from around the world so at the moment we've got a lady training with us from iceland she is wow. absolutely gorgeous school teacher from iceland and the only thing that will stop us um going international especially now we can train people online is just licensing only in each of the countries so we can make sure the brand stays clean and yeah we're delivering what we set out to deliver but yeah it's uh, as i said you know it was a hell of a storm but it blew us to an island that we didn't know was there so, so out of out of some uh very <laughs> very huge nonsense in the world some good things have come which is brilliant absolutely know, brilliant that's and some very you... huge very huge nonsense so joe you're gorgeous <laughs> <laughs> very huge nonsense that happens i don't know what it's called i can't remember i'm trying not to think about it <laughs> I, I was wondering though did you do um because obviously a lot of people myself included really struggled during the when it was completely locked down did you uh, manage to help people online then? Yeah. And, and again, that was strange because I'd always worked face to face. I'd had a couple of meetings online prior to all this COVID yeah. stuff, but to actually do therapy online was a whole new thing. So we had to adjust everything that we do because we're quite tactile. Can't be online, can you? Um, so everything pretty well shut down for us because all our face to face work going into schools all stopped. But we do do a lot of work with um, kids with additional needs. Um, and through alternative provision kids that you know weren't making it in school anyway so we're at home and fostering adoptive kids and you if you suddenly cut off the support that you're giving them and you cut it off at a time when the world just turns on its head and has a bit of a twizzle then that's not good so no we we kept going we kept working with those kids and i was astonished at how many agencies didn't and they just went oh no covid can't rubbish there's always a way so yeah fortunately we kept going and, and i've got a big hats off to marley coaches so did they bloody respect well it was it, it, the thing is you can't switch off those services when that's when they're most needed it's ridiculous well, apparently, apparently it? you can but you don't yeah. my whole point is just because it's always been that way don't mean it has to be do you know no. it's it's okay to grow and consider options don't be afraid of growth and change yeah. you know sometimes it's the best thing I mean, the only, it's a really famous thing, isn't it? The only certainty in life is change. <laughs> and death. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, that's true. Well done. And yeah. taxes. <laughs> and taxes. Yeah. And oh, all sorts of other things. So not just that thing at all. <laughs> no, but I get where you're going from. Sorry. No, I know. No, no, no. <laughs> what have no, the Romans ever done for us, Joe? <laughs> <laughs> it's just a scratch. <laughs> <laughs> Right. Um, so what's next for you that's a damn good question well there's some interesting stuff bubbling away behind the scenes that i can't divulge yet but blimey if that comes off oh my lord um ollie's just getting bigger and bigger and more recognition so it's it's continuing to get more ollie coaches on board so we can support people wherever they are want to get a few more books out 
And, you know, ultimately my goal was always just to get Ollie to a wonderful point where I could just hand it over to the Ollie coaches that have been with me from day one and those coming up through the ranks and go home and go fishing in Australia. But I can't do that at the moment. I'm not allowed to go there. They won't let me. No, no. that sounds like a good plan. It's a brilliant plan. <laughs> Although you might end up with just a hut in Australia and a fish finger or something. Do you know, that would be fine. And I probably will, because where, where, where I go in Australia is, is absolutely a piece of heaven. And I go out fishing every single day, and there's dolphins. <gasps> so literally in front of the house, there's the river mouth, and the, the sea's two minutes. I've always wanted to swim with dolphins. I, they're, no, they're buggers, hard. right? They're buggers. They're bad, bad dolphins. Everything's everything <laughs> so cute. They're is not. there such a thing? Yes. I go out there... Want to go fishing? Okay. There's a whole damn river and a huge damn ocean. Where are the dolphins? Round my boat eating my fish. Oh, I see. Bad dolphins. See, I'd like to jump in and swim with them, but not. I don't want to swim with dolphins in a in a captive. So I, I would. I would love to go to wherever that is in Australia. Well, when, when we move out there, you'll get an invite, Joe. But yeah, you, you, <laughs> you probably could get in the water with them because they're so so playful. It's lovely. So that's the plan. Retire to uh, Australia. Yeah, you know. I, I'm not religious, and I say this a lot. I'm not religious. I don't know where this whole Ollie came thing came from, but I think if there is something in the universe, it it was right. Do you know what? The whole mental health, emotional well-being thing on the planet is buggered. It needs it needs some help. So we need yeah. someone with a bit of an attitude who's too old and thick-skinned to care to drive a new idea. So they chose me. What a gift! I'm yeah. so honoured. But I always knew that I was only going to drive it so far because it's always going to take new, fresh thinking and. And the whole thing is everybody that joins us. So we've got GPs, we've got lawyers, we've got bus drivers, hairdryers, teachers, mom, we've got every walk of life. But between yeah. them, they've got the ideas to take Ollie into areas I hadn't even considered. And, and that's what will happen. And that's what needs to happen. Because it can't be yeah. about any one person. It, it's about the model. So, mm. yeah. So I have no yeah. idea where Ollie's going next. I never do, really. It just happens. <laughs> <laughs> And that's a good lesson in life isn't it yeah. sometimes it's good not to know everyone sort yeah. of gets obsessed with knowing and planning but sometimes it's good to free will a bit isn't it yeah every time i try and plan something because i think you know maybe i should be a bit grown up and take control <laughs> i hit a brick wall so then i go all right all yours and i hand it over to a stuffed toy called ollie and and wonders happen speak, and it just works speaks volumes really i can't do it but a stuffed toy can <laughs> so if you had any top tips for um emotional well-being for our listeners out there have you got a couple you know when you get on an airplane and they do all that you know the exits are here here and here which is a giggle who the bug is going to jump out of one of them at thirty thousand feet but that's by the by <laughs> but the oxygen mask dropped down doesn't it and it says put yours on before you help anyone else i think yep. Tip one, everybody. I, I'm watching mums and dads, teachers, our frontline staff, which is, you know, A&E, police, fire, people working in Morrisons and Tesco's are all bloody frontline, right? And, yep. and they're doing all this and they're putting themselves out there for other people and they forget to take care of themselves. If you aren't in a good place, you can't take care of anyone else. So put your oxygen mask on first. Take time out for you because you matter. Yep. And I guess the other thing is, you know, one of the reasons people are so strung out is because they're not in control at the minute. And when we feel out of control, we get anxious, we get strung out, you get sick, you get poorly, all hell breaks loose. So really simple exercise and do this, right? Draw a circle on the ground, not very big, just big enough for your feet. And then draw another one around that and another one around that. In the center one, write things I can control. 
In the next one, things I can sort of control. And in the outside one, things I have no blimming control over whatsoever. And just write everything that's bothering you right now down in one of those circles. And if it ain't in the first circle, what are you doing? If it's in the second one, make a decision. Can it come into the first one or does it get shoved out to the third? You can only control you and yours. Oh, yeah, I've got people freaking. Oh, she's not wearing a bloody mask. They're not. So what? Crack on. The only yeah. thing you can control yeah. is you and your environment. And, you know, if Boris keeps changing his mind. and all, Who cares? The only person that can protect you and has ever been able to protect you, whether it's COVID or just getting through life, is you. So notice what you can control and focus on that. And anything you can't, let it go. Because all it's going to do is run you out of oxygen. It's, it's just human nature that we do do that. So many of us are sort of born worriers or overanalyze things. It's a simple solution. Go and find a nolly coach. Ah, there's loads of brilliant, brilliant therapists out there. So if you are struggling and you're on your own, and I know that the NHS and the services we've depended on aren't coping at the moment. They're overstretched and it's leaving people alone and vulnerable. Please, please don't be. Just Google therapist, Google anything, contact us. If we can't help, we'll put you on to someone that can, but don't be on your own right now and don't try and do it on your own. We are in this together, no matter how much people are trying to divide us up. We're in it together. We are, and, and even if you feel desperately alone, you're not. No. There's, there's people that are willing to help, so just ask. And that's, the, that's a really key thing, because I think it is hard for people no. to ask. No. More so than ever. We're in this together. And, you know, we've got a common enemy, COVID. And a, yeah. and a few others. Uh, but, yeah. <laughs> but if we've got each other's backs, then that's all's it. good. That's it. You've got it covered. It's been an absolute <laughs> pleasure speaking to you, Ali. And you. Gorgeous, gorgeous lady. I'm so, so glad that it's, it's continued to, to work out and that it hasn't um, stopped Ollie in any way, shape or form because it's an important thing. And as we said, if anyone else uh, wants to take a look into that, just check out Ollie and his superpowers uh, website and contact Ali. Thanks for listening to Real Folk with me, Joe Burke.